We're in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, turning your Bibles to Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32. We're going to bounce from there in just a minute. But just talking about marriage matters. <clears throat> marriage matters. Heard a, a story. There was an interview with an older lady that had been married four times over. And uh, she was talking about her four different husbands and how unique they were and how different they were because she married these four different fellows different times. One was a banker, the other one was an actor, and then a preacher, and then a, an undertaker, a mortician. And they were asking the question, why in the world, you, I mean, such different fellows? She said, well, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. And, uh, uh, but this morning, when we're talking about this issue, this subject of really divorce and remarriage, it's a weighty subject and uh when you think about what's happening in our world especially in our culture today uh there's a fellow by the name of dr armin nikolai jr he's a professor of psychiatry at harvard university and he was doing research on the family and and he was talking about divorce and i can't go into all of the details because there's so much that he wrote but he was talking about and just pointing out the fact that how prevalent it is in our culture in the united states of america today the divorce rate rose 700 percent during the 20th century there's one divorce per every 1.8 marriages there's 13 million kids have one or both parents missing. The United States has 5% of the world's population, but also half of all of the divorces in the world. The median duration for first-time marriages is eight years. And we approach the whole idea of marriage with a pessimistic view. In fact, when asked, 64% expect a divorce of a friend. 59% suggests that every marriage should be entered into with a prenuptial agreement. When you're talking about problems in marriages, really, two things lead to broken marriages, a man and a woman. And God help us today understand what marriage is all about. God help me today to deal with this subject gently, but yet also biblically. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was preaching this Sermon on the Mount, and he says in verse number 31 and in 32, he said, It was said, Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And he's just talking here, continuing this Sermon on the Mount and what he's doing in this Sermon on the Mount. We've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, he's saying, you know, you, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. And what was happening was the religious leaders had been to the Osteen School of Theology. And so they had a very liberal approach when it comes to the Bible. And, and, and they, were ref they were very much into interpretations, and their interpretations were very, very liberal. What they were doing with God's Word is they were lowering the standards to make themselves feel better about their life. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is saying, hey, let me just expound on the truths from my word. And so he's saying, hey, when you're talking about this whole idea of marriage, marriage, you have created a disposable commodity, and that was never the intent. Marriage. In fact, when you're talking about the teachings of Christ, there's 
greater detail on this subject, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, I'm going to be coming back to Matthew 5 in just a minute, uh, in a few minutes, uh, but I'd like to look at this subject a little more detail. Jesus preaches a little bit greater detail later in Matthew chapter 19. So go to Matthew chapter 19. He deals with the same subject, but a little more detail. And so in Matthew chapter number 19, <clears throat> here's the story. The Bible says, When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And then uh, they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? Making reference to the same thing that Jesus Christ was speaking to back in Matthew chapter number 5, which is a reference from Deuteronomy chapter 24. We're going to pick that up in a minute. But in verse number 8, he says, And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. <clears throat> and so Jesus is dealing with this subject once again. This time he's in a location. It's described basically as a land called Perea. And it's important to note uh, simply because what's happening in the life and in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ at this particular point was the Pharisees were trying to catch him. The Pharisees were trying to get him into trouble. Perea happened to be an area where Herod Antipas was ruling. And Herod Antipas, if you remember the story, he was the one that was married to a woman named Herodias. And Herodias happened to be his very brother's wife that he committed adultery with. And it was John the Baptist in the story. When you read back in history, John the Baptist had confronted him and his adultery with his brother's wife, which led ultimately to him being beheaded, John the Baptist. And so when you're talking about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was simply saying, I'm going to call sin, sin. And, and, and oftentimes, unfortunately, when you do that, many heads have rolled. <clears throat> and John the Baptist had rolled. And so Jesus was in a territory uh, where the Pharisees knew exactly what they were doing, strategically uh, uh, asking this specific question. The Pharisees, the Bible says in verse number 3, uh, uh, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Asks a question, uh, but they had an opinion already formed on the subject. They were just simply trying to get him to stumble. And unfortunately, when you're talking about the subject, any subject, biblically, uh, oftentimes we form our own opinions. And sometimes our opinions, if we're not careful, can be extra biblical, can, can, can be wrong opinions. And so God help me to understand what does the Bible say about this subject. And so Jesus uh, has this question that's posed, but he says, hey, before we talk about the subject of divorce, you really need to have a deeper understanding of what it means to be married. You need to understand God's plan for 
the marriage. And so that's where he goes. And he says, here's God's plan for the marriage. In verse number four, here's God's plan for marriage. Understand it. <clears throat> and he answered, have you not read that he created them? He who created them uh, from the beginning made the male and female. And he goes on from verse number four. But when you're talking about God's plan for marriage, God designed marriage, therefore God is the one who designs the marriage, and that's exactly what he did in the beginning. All the way back in the book of Genesis, God designed and defined marriage. And he said, here's how it works. It's to be between one man and one woman. That's how marriage, that's the family in God's Sight. That's his design for the home. And we're obviously, we've been living in a culture that's uh, assaulting the sanctity of the family. And so we're trying to recreate, redesign a new kind of family. And the fact of the matter is, it's not a family at all. When you have two men or two women, it's sinful. It's homosexuality and it's sin against God. That's not a family that God has created nor designed. So when you're talking about the rules for marriage biblically, it's amazing to me how people can take things way out of context and make application to their wrong thinking. When you're talking about, again, the home and the family, uh, the home and the family and, and, and the principles that we're talking about today are to be applied simply to a man and to a woman. And so it's not talking about gay marriages, nor is it talking about group marriages, because there's some people that still believe <clears throat> in the whole uh, uh, many wives kind of idea, polygamy. And, uh, and, and that was never God's plan from the beginning. It's not God's plan today. And, uh, and so that's not where it is to be applied. God's plan for marriage is to be one man and one woman coming together. And the Bible goes on to say, <clears throat> and for this reason, in verse number 5, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And verse number 5, in other words, he says, hey, here's, here's how the family unit's to work. There's a leaving and a cleaving that takes place for a healthy marriage to work. A leaving and a cleaving must take place for a healthy marriage to work. Why are you going there? Because there's so many marriages that are in trouble today because we don't know how to leave and how to cleave. A lot of times you got a boy that's never really become a man and he's still a mama's boy and he's trying to please two women and it just never works that way. Marriage. All right. It happens with boys. It happens with girls. Sometimes they never get over their own daddy being Superman when the man you're married with needs to be your new Superman. A lot of times it's, I got to go back and find out what my daddy wants. Well, no, no, no. You're married. Leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. It'll destroy your home. Hey, I don't even know why I'm going to linger here, but I just want to linger here for just a second. <clears throat> I think it's because when you deal, do counseling and you talk to people, you realize the subjects that are really hot topics that people struggle with the most, and this is a subject right here that really will struggle. you got to leave and cleave. You come together, leave and cleave, and the two shall become one flesh, he says in Scripture. That's not just sexual intercourse. That's not what it's limited to. A lot of people think, man, that's all about sexual intercourse. No, that's not what it is. Else, else fornication would become one flesh. And that's not what he's speaking to. He's saying, hey, you know what happens is my life becomes your life and your life becomes my life and my hopes are your hopes and your hopes are my hopes and my dreams are your dreams and your dreams become my dreams and we're inseparable. We're one. We're one. 
And a lot of times what happens in marriage is all of a sudden, I have my own hopes and I have my own dreams, and this is just my platform to support me to, be, to reach all of my goals and all of my dreams. And what happens, listen, what happens is all of a sudden we begin to drift apart. And there have been many marriages that have fallen apart because leaving and cleaving and becoming one flesh. God help us. Genesis 2 and verse number 18. Over in Genesis chapter 2 and in verse number 18, the Bible says it like this. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Companionship. Companionship. We've got to spend time together. When you're talking about marriage, God intended marriage to be kind of like scrambled eggs. You just can't unscramble them once it happens. One flesh. Marriage. Procreation and recreation. Two more purposes for marriage. When God designed and defined marriage, he said, hey, I want you to procreate. Back in the book of Genesis, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 28. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Goes on from there, but just simply saying, hey, I want you to have children, but enjoy one another as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, uh, but the husband does. And likewise also, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Leave and cleave, become one flesh. Verse number 6, God's plan for marriage, still under God's plan for marriage. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so he's saying, hey, number, another, another thing about marriage, uh, God appointed, God appointed. Let God bring your spouse into your life. And that is so important. It's not me going out and finding who it is that I want to marry one day, but it's me just simply growing in my walk with Jesus Christ and saying, I just want to be faithful to you, and God, I'm going to wait on your timing. I'm going to wait for you to bring the one into my life. Instead, what we do today is we have this whole dating thing going on, like we're going to try them out, like we're trying out a new car. It says, God, God will bring your spouse to you. It's God appointing that person in your life. And he will. Just trust him with those things. Sometimes we feel like, man, I just got to have somebody. But God will, God will take care of you. <clears throat> he will. I mean, that's, that happened, really. It happened in our life with me and Bonnie. Me and Bonnie, uh, when I came to school over here, man, I, was, I, was, I, had, I made a decision. I really did. I made a decision. I'll, I'm not going to date anybody for the next couple of years. I'm growing in Christ. I've got business to take care of. And then I met her. <laughs> the plans changed. What happened? God brought us together. I'm grateful for God. 
It's not about trying people out. God help us. He says it's, it's, it's God anointed and appointed, but it's also permanent. When you're talking about this whole idea of marriage, you don't go into the idea of marriage as if, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just find somebody else. No, ma marriage is to be permanent. It says it's what God has joined together in verse number 6. Let no man <coughs> separate. It's, it's permanent. It's not dispensable. In fact, when you're talking about <clears throat> marriage, we have what's called no-fault divorces anymore, and you can just go down there and just file for divorce. Go find an attorney and just let them know, I, I, I want to file for divorce. I, I heard about a woman that went down there one time, and she just filed for divorce, and, and the attorney said, well, do you have any grounds? <clears throat> she said, well, I got about an acre. And uh, he said, well, <clears throat> do you have a grudge? And I uh, said, uh, no, but I got a carport. And then uh, he said, well, does your husband beat you up? And uh, she said, no, nah, I'm up 3 o'clock in the morning. He's never beat me up. And, 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 and so the attorney said, well, why in the world do you want a divorce? <clears throat> and she said, because he can't even hold an intelligent conversation. <laughs> we had a time change last night. <laughs> Permanent. You know, the Bible says when you're talking about this whole idea of marriage, Malachi chapter number 2 and in verse number 16. Malachi 2 and, and verse 16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. And this is talking about in the context of marriage. I, I hate divorce, God says. The issue addressed is not just divorce, but divorce and remarriage. Johnny Hunt made this statement one time. He said, if we eliminate the possibility of remarriage, we would issue a death blow to divorce. In other words, if we treated our spouse as if I will never, ever, ever have another one, then maybe I would treat her better. Or maybe I would treat him better. When you're talking about marriage, when you're talking about one spouse forever, permanent, it's not trying them out. Uh, in fact, I've heard it said this, when you're talking about going into marriage, go into marriage with your eyes wide open. When you get married, live with your eyes half closed. <laughs> what does that mean? Here's what that means. What that means is when you're going into marriage, don't settle. And a lot of times what happens is people settle. People think, well, they'll do better. They're going to get right one day. Well, don't expect a change. Who, who, who is it that you're talking about marriage with? Is it a man? Let me ask, especially for younger people, man. Is, is, this, is this man somebody that I can submit to and follow? And if the answer is no, then don't marry him. I mean, that's God-given roles. Biblically, Ephesians chapter number 5. And for the man, hey, is this woman somebody that I would love to lay down my life and die for? I will lay aside everything for this person right here. And if you can't say yes to that, you ought not to marry her. Hey, hey, another one for the young man, another one for the young man. Can I afford her? Y'all all right? <laughs> Marriage. 
God help me to be faithful. Jesus is talking about a very serious subject. He's put into a corner. He says, here's what we've got to understand. You've got to understand what marriage is about before you start talking about divorce. And in fact, the problem, part of the problem is, here's part of the problem. In fact, not part of the problem. Here's the whole problem with this whole situation. You ought not to be asking, how can I get out, but rather, how can I stay in? That's the wrong question to ask as a believer. How do I get out of this thing? No. How do I work this thing out? How do I stay in? And that's where we ought to go. So Jesus says, you've got to understand marriage before we touch the whole divorce thing. Verse number 7, he continues on. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? <clears throat> Jesus responded to that in verse number 8. But here's where they go wrong. So God, God, uh, God's permit for divorce and remarriage, God's permit for divorce and remarriage, verses 7, 8, and 9. They asked a question, but what they're doing is they're twisting Scripture. The Scripture that's in question is from Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from his house, and she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife. And if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. And so what's happening here is they're twisting Scripture. Nowhere, nowhere, if you look at verse number 7, uh, uh, Moses commanded, and Moses never commanded, but rather it was permitted. They were taking Scripture and pulling it out of context because he was really speaking in Deuteronomy to a man who has put his wife away for the purpose because he found her to be very much unfaithful. And she goes and marries somebody else and then comes back. He's saying, hey, you cannot go and take her again as your wife. So when you're talking about God's permit for divorce and remarriage, because that's really the issue. It's an issue in the Old Testament. It's an issue in the New Testament. There's really only three times where God, in his word, permits divorce and remarriage. Only three times does God permit divorce and remarriage. The first one we're not going to really go into great detail with. Uh, it has to do with death, which obviously... Uh, the covenantal relationship ends at death. So the death of one partner, uh, you would be permitted to go and remarry because the covenant <clears throat> has been completed. Uh, but beyond that, the second one would be adultery. Adultery. And that's where Jesus had brought it up back in Matthew chapter number 5 and in verse number 31 and 32. And the Bible says... Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. 
And so we're talking about, again, <clears throat> in an adulterous relationship, it's permitted, but it's never commanded. It's permitted, but it's never commanded. And let me just encourage you. Hey, listen, marriage is difficult, and there's been a lot of people in this room that have been cut very deeply because of adultery. And let me just encourage you this morning because it is difficult. It is very difficult. And how do you carry on and how do you move on? You don't have to just check out. You don't have to. You can work it out. But just know this. Just know this. No matter how it ends up, life is incredibly difficult. That's a, it's a tough subject. It's a tough subject. <clears throat> My wife and I have talked about this subject before. How, how do you move on? We, we agree we'll probably just kill one another. <laughs> but it, it's a very serious subject. How do you move forward? I believe that, in fact, I don't just believe it. I have seen with my own eyes couples who have been able to work through marital unfaithfulness or forgiveness. But in order for it to be worked through, hey, listen, there has got to be a repentant spirit. There has got to be a repentant spirit. And a lot of times, people are just sorry because you found out. And they're not broken because I have sinned against God. And for healing to take place to the core, there's got to be a repentant spirit. But in the event of adultery, I believe that <clears throat> we can. It's permitted, not commanded, but permitted. And then the second situation is found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, and that's this. I have an unsaved spouse who decides to divorce me. I have an unsaved spouse who decides to divorce me. <clears throat> The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. What's happening and what's taking place? Well, here's, here's what's happening. He's been writing this letter, and he talks about being unequally yoked. And by the way, by the way, <clears throat> it's not God's will for a Christian to marry a non-Christian. That's what it means to be unequally yoked. For a Christian to marry a non-Christian is not God's will. He's addressing a subject that happens when after we are married, we're a couple, and the husband gets saved, or the wife gets saved, and they begin to get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times what happens is we say, man, he's, he's pulling me down. She's pulling me down. And, 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 and in fact, the matter is, I ought not to be married to them anymore because we're unequally yoked. And so, man, for me to be all that God wants me to be, I need to leave him. I need to leave her. 
And what God's word is saying is no. No. Not unless they put you out. No. And how many times have you heard a man or a woman say, I believe God is leading me out of this marriage? To which I would say, it's the wrong spirit leading you. He would never lead you out for those reasons. <clears throat> Why do you stay? Because there's still hope as long as I stay. Because there's still hope. It gives God an opportunity to work in and through me and around me. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 3, verses number 1 and 2, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses number 1 and 2, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, if you're married to an unbelieving spouse, you be Jesus with skin on in your home. Don't leave them. You see, they don't encourage me spiritually. Don't leave them. You be faithful. When you're talking about this subject of divorce, really, Scripture only gives two opportunities for divorce and remarriage. Three, if you include death. And so when you're talking about it, though, unfortunately, what happens in the church is <clears throat> we sometimes will treat things as if it's the unpardonable sin, and it's not. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. A lot of times what's happened over the years in churches is this. <clears throat> Man, you're disqualified for any reason. If you've been through a divorce, you're just guilty. And, and, and we inflict, we impose, we, we, impose, we impose the guilt even on the innocent party. Y'all okay? I'm thankful that we have a God that forgives. I'm thankful that we have a God that restores. I'm thankful that we have a God that's not just going to kick me while I'm down. God help us to walk with one another through difficult days. So what if I do? What, if I, what, what do I do this morning? Because sometimes this will happen. What I do this morning, if I've been divorced and I'm remarried, <clears throat> and I don't have a biblical reason. I mean, you might be here this morning and say, man, I, I'm divorced, remarried, and it doesn't fit biblically. What do I do now? Hey, here's what you do now. Sometimes people find themselves in that situation because of flat-out ignorance. I didn't know that's what Scripture said. But I would suggest to you, <clears throat> God, I repent. I, am so, I, di I did this in my ignorance, and I recognize I'm wrong, number one. Number two, you stay where you are and be the best husband or spouse you can be, husband or wife that you can be. That's what you do. You don't go trip back and try to fix it you just say, hey, I'm going to experience times of refreshing in the presence of God, and I'm going to stay right where I am and bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that not what happened to the woman at the well? The woman at the well. Man, you've had five husbands. The man you're with now aren't your husband. He said, repent, go and sin no more. Repent, go sin no more. And so God, help us. It's amazing. I'm so grateful to God. <clears throat>
Sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves shipwrecked. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a mess, oftentimes of our own making. Sometimes it's not of our own making. But whether you're there because of your own making or because of the making of somebody else, either way, it's a difficult spot. And in either, either situation, I'm grateful today to know that <clears throat> God can take me right where I am, put the pieces back together, and make something beautiful out of my life. God, help me to be faithful in my home. Help me to be faithful in my marriage. Hey, this morning talking about marriage and divorce and remarriage, but I just want to encourage you today <clears throat> and ask the question, really, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Man, he makes all the difference in the world. Uh, I know in our, in our home, in our home, I, I can't even begin to imagine where we would be without Jesus Christ in our home. And uh, so today, if you've never called on his name, I'm just encouraging you, for God so loved the world, he loves you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He desires an intimate, loving relationship with you. And just know this, <clears throat> Jesus said, I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly, whether that's as an individual or as a married man or woman. At the end of the day, we can have abundance because of Jesus Christ.